How you going? Duckman here. Uh, here's an interview I did uh, with Mahalia Murphy, uh, Wallaroos rugby star, a couple of years ago. She's now playing for Parramatta uh, in the NRLW, so she is an absolute superstar and has recently been on uh, SAS Australia. So it's a big deal to get the interview with her. It's the first interview I did with her a few years ago. I was buggering her name up for it too. Called her Mahalia a few times. Actually, Mahalia. And I do apologize for that. But uh, I hope you enjoyed this interview. It's a good interview that I did with Mahalia. She has a good chat to us about her career and how she got into rugby and professional sports. So make sure you stick around here for another episode of Weekend Warriors with the Duck Man. Uh, keep on ducking. Have a fabulous day and enjoy this episode. Hey, young Duck Man here. I'm with Mahalia Murphy, uh, Troy International Superstar. Women's Rugby League and uh, Rugby Union and uh, also a bit of an athlete. Haley, thanks for being here today. Uh, enjoyed the opportunity to come down and chat to you. No, thanks for having me. It's so, good to be here and speak a bit about myself, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so uh, I want to thank Mick West for setting this up too. So just a little bit about your background for everyone that doesn't know. Um, so I grew up in Western Sydney yep. um, and I started off doing um, athletics as a kid yeah. um, and it wasn't really until I finished high school that I got involved with rugby um, and even as a kid like I didn't start doing athletics professionally until I was about 14 um, but I was just always an active kid, wanted to play every sport I could and then it kind of just evolved from when I first played, um, first done athletics at my primary school and then got offered a sporting um, contract for Hillsborough High School and then I went there for my sporting years and then all my high school years and done athletics and trained two days a week and then kind of really set Kath Freeman as my inspiration um, and then that was my dream was to go to the Olympics and represent Australia for athletics but um, at the end of high school it kind of just changed and switched up into rugby. So what was the driving influence to come into the rugby? How did that come back? So I know you went into the Sevens rugby program when you were 15, but I'm um, in 2015, sorry, so what you would have been in your early 20s, maybe something like that. Yeah, I um, so I actually I played rugby 15s and rugby league on the weekends after I finished high school, um, and I got selected for the Australian league team, and then I played up in Queensland in 2015 against New Zealand and. Within a month of playing that game, the Rugby Sevens coach contacted me and asked if I was interested in going to Papua New Guinea for the Pacific Games. And yeah. I heard you did quite well when you were at Pacific Games, scored a few tries, made a bit of a name for yourself. Yeah, I um, went over there and played with a bang really. I didn't really expect to perform the way I did. I didn't really understand the sport that much at that time as well. I just knew that you, know, you had to run with the ball and tackle a person with the ball. So I went over there and just, you know, done what I did and then earned my full-time contract after that tournament. Yeah, that's a huge achievement. So particularly coming from Western Sydney. Now, understand your family are from Walgett as well? Or? No, no, I was actually born in Blacktown. Yeah. I was born in Blacktown and grew up in Doonside. Okay, yeah. Um, but all my mom's from Walgett, yeah. Yeah, so did your family have any history of rugby union or rugby league or anything like that before um, you were born? No, my oh, only my sister, like not before I was born, but when I was 14, she was playing rugby 15s with Penrith Sheeves. Yeah. And that's basically how I first went involved with rugby. Um, a couple of the girls in turn up for the game and I used to run the ward for the girls and um, a couple of girls in turn up and they asked someone if I could play. 
Mum said no. She was like, no way, she does athletics, I don't want her to break her leg, because if she breaks her leg, she won't be able to play. Um, so she's just been a pedantic mum, and then in second half, all the girls were tired and bugged because no one, they had no subs, and then they asked my mum again, even if it's five minutes, please, like, could she just jump on the field and just help the girls out for five minutes? She eventually said yes, and then jumped on the field, and like I said, like, I didn't know how to play the game. Um, just from watching, I knew you just run with the ball, score try and tackle the person with the ball. Didn't know nothing about ruts or anything. Um, and I jumped on the wing, had about 10, 15 metres of space to run in, and I decided to tippy-toe along the sideline because I was like scared of getting tackled because I'd never played contact sport. But then I scored my first try, and that's how <laughs> I first kind of grew my passion to play rugby. It was that one game that I was like, wow, like this is so different, like playing in a team sport rather than in athletics that you against everybody else and you're training by yourself. So yeah. I really enjoyed the team atmosphere aspect of the game. So what year do you reckon that would have been when that happened for you? First I, game of rugby? I wasn't even meant to play because I was too young. <laughs> I was about 15, 14. Um, and then I had to wait until I finished high school, but I just remember going, I want to play rugby, I want to play rugby, and I'm like, you're wait till you're 16, 17, and then once I finished high school, moved away to Nara and um, started to study policing. And I'd come back on a Friday night, play rugby on Saturday, play league on Sunday, go back home Sunday night and study all week. So that's, yeah, that's how it happened. Yeah. So no boy influences or anything like that? Didn't have a boyfriend that dragged you into it or? No. Nah. I was actually, <laughs> nah, not at all. No boy had no, no influence at all. It was just, my sister was playing no girls turn like a couple of girls didn't turn up for subs. Chuck me on the wing, yeah. and there I was. <laughs> That's a good story. I like that. I like how that came up. I was going to yeah. ask you how you got into it and uh, what club it was, because I read a couple of little things about you. You said you kicked off a parent, and I wondered if you might have had some experience with the Shemus. Yeah. So my first experience with women's rugby was actually with the Shemus when I was playing in lower grade, like Henderson Cup for Penrith in 2009. And I thought they were quite a competitive side and they were, they were good to watch. So they're very competitive. The competition wasn't very big, but it's obviously grown a lot now. Yeah. So this year, with um, did you catch any of the women's rugby game, Jack Scott Cup games or anything this year at all? Did I catch? Yeah, I played. So um, the women's one. Yeah. Yeah, I played in two blues. Good call. Every team's getting stronger and stronger each year, I feel. Uh, I've played in the last couple of years, um, the 15s. Uh, especially leading into World Cup year, I've been able to play in that competition um, more. Uh, just so I've got more 15s games under my belt because I was mainly with sevens and contracted with the sevens. So only leading into World Cup, I'm able to play in that comp. So obviously um, World Cups this year. So yeah, yeah. So I'm forward to playing this year again. No, I had the pleasure this year. I commentated Clutch TV for the first time. Never done that before, and I got exposed to some Jack Scott Cup women's games and. Got to do the two blue semi-final against Warringah, and like I already knew going into the game, but Evie Horamia was New South Wales Player of the Year, so had big expectations, and she delivered. She did a good job, and the two blues were on top for most of the game. And Chloe Dalton just slipped under slipped under the radar. I didn't even think about the fact that she played in the 2016 Olympics for the sevens, and she just turned the game. 30 seconds to go, turned the game, got them back level, yeah. and then. Clutch, got a clutch try right at the end into injury time and that won yeah. the game. I just couldn't believe it. So the standard of 
for women's rugby is Matthew is excellent to watch. There's some superstars out there I recommend for everybody to see. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more opportunities for girls to be involved these days and develop their skills, and I think that's showcasing now. So yeah, yeah, it's good. Absolutely. Uh, we'll go back to uh, how you said you're at Hill Sports High School. What was your time like at Hill Sports High School? Particularly being an Indigenous girl, doing athletics and all these different sorts of things. Yeah, um, my experience in high school wasn't that great, <laughs> to be honest. I um, I was more of a, I guess, practical student. I didn't really like I do home like homework and do my classwork and stuff, but I was always so excited to do the practical stuff, like training and all the sports subjects and stuff like that. But um, I yeah, found a bit hard when I got out of high school though to get a job because I didn't really pay attention in, in class as much as I should have. Um, in terms of being Indigenous, I was one of the few that was Indigenous at that school. And it wasn't easy. Um, faced a few, fair few um, racist situations. And at that time, I just didn't really know how to deal with it at that time. I just was like, block people out, just ignore them, just come here and do what I have to do and then go home. But now that I'm out of high school, I, you know, the people that used to say all that stuff are now trying to talk to me and stuff like that. So with people that, I guess, kind of don't have an understanding of what it's like, I guess it's just, you know, at that time, they didn't really, I guess, have an understanding of, you know, who I was and what our culture is and stuff like that. Yeah, at that time, I didn't really pay attention. Um, But like now that I'm older and understand it, and know how to deal with it more. Like if I had ever faced anything these days, like you know, I'd, I'd deal with it in a better way to try and help them understand. Um, but yeah, um, but other than that, at the school it was pretty good. Had you know different kind of circles of friends. And yeah, just I was pretty quiet. I was a pretty quiet student. Yeah. Um, but I'm a whole different person now. That's for sure. Person now. <laughs> I've seen some of your dance videos on Instagram. Oh, yeah. one, one this morning is it your boyfriend that grabbed the broom or vacuum or whatever? And... No, that's actually a friend of mine. That's yeah. my niece's friend, actually. Yeah. Um, he comes around and sees us all the time and pops in and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah I was having a good little dance last night and a good little sing, and then he tried to take away my microphone. Yeah. And I was like, uh uh-uh, uh, you ain't stealing my show. Yeah. I had that's a bit right. of Beyonce stuff happening, and then you got the rage going and threw a couple of kicks and stuff. So, yeah, I went from Beyonce to like Jackie Chan or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just went all hectic on him. So, yeah, so, um, all right. So, what would you suggest for a young girl wanting to get into professional sports, particularly an indigenous person who, let's say, came from not the the Hill Sports High School, a lot of people I've come across over the years and I played rugby against them too, mm-hmm. they were fairly affluent, most of the people who went there, so that would have made it difficult all on its own, to not come from the, probably the wealthiest background, mm-hmm. the university to be there. Um, did you feel barriers just from, from that alone? Or, or were you more accepted because you were into sports and all of these different sorts of stuff? Yeah, I think it was just more of my ability. Like yeah. the ability was what got me there, um, and potential. Yeah. Um, they seen potential, obviously, but um, yeah. Like I don't think in terms of you know the race and stuff like that. Like it was nothing to do with that. It was just more my ability. Yeah. I yeah. So, is there any weird and quirky things you did at school, or anything that you liked? You said you weren't real academic or anything like that. What subjects do you like outside the sports things and that? Do you have anything go, oh, I could be running a cooking show because I was really good at the home economics stuff or anything like that? Um, I was really good at the subjects that the teachers were really cool. 
<laughs> so the, the cool teachers were the subjects I was good at. Um, science, maybe. Oh, but... not definitely not science. No, <laughs> definitely not science. Yeah, yeah, not science. Not no. Yeah. Um, I was good at English, geography, just like all the practical stuff like textiles, yeah. making, you know, teddies and stuff like that that we do in school. Yeah. <laughs> cooking. Yeah. I was good at cooking. Yeah, just more practical stuff. I was good at. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of like theory, um, I was. Probably more better at English and geography. Yeah. I was in high school, I took home economics on because I realised that uh, the cooking classes were right before lunch. I could have lunch <laughs> twice in the day, so it was only 10 bucks a year. That was a pretty good value to have oh, lunch twice good. in the day. That so. is good. Can't go wrong there. <laughs> you played 7s and 15s rugby for Australia. Uh, which one did you think was the hardest sport to adapt to? Definitely 7s. Definitely 7s. Um, hands down 7s because it's such an intense Board, it doesn't matter how fit you are, like you're always tested with your, with your fitness. Um, and obviously the difference between seven people on the field to 15 people on the field, seven people you're like in every second ruck. Um, and you know, it, it's seven minutes a half, but it's like, it feels like 80 minutes. Um, yeah, just the whole technical side of sevens as well. Like obviously with 15s, you have more bodies in the field and it's more, um, I guess you're more confident in making contact because you've got more bodies around you. And, Smaller spaces to cover, whereas sevens you've got seven people and the width of the field is 70 meters, so you're covering 10 meters. So, I definitely feel in terms of intensity, sevens is a lot more um, harder to adapt to because yeah. um, you've got to think under fatigue, um, you've got to cover so much more space, and it's like, you know, this person's going to run, I've got to try and manage to get her down. Yeah. Any way I can, it doesn't matter how, like, you know, obviously not pulling hair or anything, but like, yeah. It's more technical rather than 15s. 15s, they kind of, you know, almost run into you a lot. So, yeah. so I've, I've played sevens before, had the experience, the last sevens tournament I played in, all big dudes like me, we got cooked oh. pretty hard, so all props and locks. and That would be interesting to watch. Yeah. We were drinking <laughs> a lot of alcohol, so it didn't really help anything, but, oh. but yeah, started trying to pop field goals and you were in trouble and starting to do that in a sevens, <laughs> sevens game, so that wasn't handy at all. Um, are you in contention at the moment to be in the Olympic squad? Um, not at the moment. I'm not really playing sevens at the moment. Um, focusing more on fifteens. Yeah. Um, I've always had that Olympic dream, and that's all. Like even now, like I'm still, like my dream is to still go to the Olympics. But at the moment, yeah, purely just fifteens. More focused on fifteens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully things. You know, it can switch around for me in terms of sevens. Um, Did you watch much of Chikorovsky Cup games last year? No, I didn't know. I actually was playing in um, a league comp and it was at the same time yeah. as that on that weekend. I was supposed to actually go there um, on the last round yeah. and I broke my hand the day before. Oh, really? I was supposed <laughs> to go to Bathurst. Oh. Yeah, so it's been a couple of months now since then, but yeah, it would have been good. So, as said, playing the league comp, that's talking it down, women's rugby league, playing for St George Illawarra. Yeah. So, that's a big deal. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, obviously, the last time I played league was in 2015 when I played for the Australian Jillaroo. So, yeah. um, to come back and be able to play for, you know, the women's NRL or W yeah. was, was massive. And it's developed so much since I last played in 2015. We didn't really have, you know, we'd have our local comps around yeah. then and then same, you know, state of origin and then straight into jewelry stuff whereas now they've got the women's NRLW comp going and there's more I guess pathways and um, games for the girls to play so 
Yeah, it was exciting. It was good fun. Good so, experience. Who's the best player in that competition you come across? Best player? Ooh. Um, I'm not quite sure who I personally feel. Is Ali sure She's a really oh, good yeah. player. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, Ali Brinkinshaw. Yeah, she's she's playing very well. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's like a real good role model leader. She seems to lead by example a lot. So might not even be the best on the field, but and step it up a level every time she seems to go up there. Yeah, she does the job very well, and she leads um, leads the team well. Um, yeah, she's a good player. I, I'd probably say yeah, her her skill and just the way she plays. So I guess she just looks very slick on the field yeah. and comfortable and confident. But also composed as well, which is important. So, yeah. yeah. Now, got a lot of rah rah girls who come across the the women's national rugby league with you this year, like Elliot Green and uh, Charlotte Caslick. So a lot of like banter going on and driving each other and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like you got nothing. You got no speed, and you're just giving it to each other all the time, or what? Um. Yeah. Well. People have their opinions, I guess. But um. <laughs> obviously, they went out there and played great um you know ellie is just a phenomenal athlete and charlotte's awesome she's good at playmaking um, yeah. she's got the skill footwork and the speed to do it so um yeah to see them play a different sport um and use you know the skill that they obviously developed in rugby sevens was was interesting and there was a lot of people that had you know some stuff to say about them but you know that went out there and played well yeah a lot of guys will give you a spray in rugby and in men's rugby league, if they just think you're not, they just will do it to yeah, try to play the head men, games and that stuff. Yeah, I think the men are more vocal. Yeah, vocal with their opinions. Um, whereas I guess the women, they kind of just have their opinions and talk amongst themselves. But they probably they're not as vocal, I don't think. And obviously, the men's stuff gets more publicised. Yeah. About what you know, whatever they say about other players or whatever they think about other players. And I think the media beef it up a lot too to try to make things out of. That stuff is not really happening because there's a lot of stuff that goes on on the field, yeah. like I've seen on the field too. But it's not as bad as what they like to try to they try to make the biggest no. things out of nothing. Yeah, like they try and yeah, they try and stir the pot for all the yeah. viewers and stuff. So yeah. Now your junior rugby league club is doing so. Were you playing an integrated side of boys and girls at the time, or were you playing in a dedicated girls side? Yeah, I played, uh, I think I was about nine. It was the same year that we had to stop, yeah. um, because we were females. Um, there was only me and one other girl on that team. Uh, and I only played half the season, only because my neighbour, he was playing in the team, and they were like, you know, well, you should come down and play, so I decided to go down and play. But yeah, and you got to play half the season and that yeah. stopped and then started back up after high school again. So you've, you've definitely enjoyed going back into the sport and playing rugby and playing league as well. Yeah. Um, so one observation I made of the women's rugby league, and this is really the only floor I see with it, I'm not sure the administrators are really invested in the game because I think the game could grow. It was four clubs last year. And I think for the game to be competitive, and I think it should keep its place, it needs to really be about eight teams. So you're playing everybody twice, and the competition gets the respect that it deserves, and it really gets to grow. Yeah, I think um, with the women's game, um, something they probably struggle with is probably the depth um, of like the numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's something that that's been spoken about 
because obviously it'd be cool, it'd be good to have you know all the teams and even the same thing with NRL the same chats happening with NRLW they were like you know we need more teams than just four teams like we need to make it more interesting more you know more games to watch but I think like especially with the women's NRLW um, likewise with 15s like they need the the depth of the numbers of players and stuff like that um, to back it up because with NRLW obviously it's a it's a big deal. Um, yes. It's not just the local comp. It's you know, it's like the, basically equivalent to the men's NRL. So you'd want to see you know, I guess decent players and depth of decent players and you know quality um, players rather than just chucking girls in and yeah, um, and then having like you know, certain teams getting dominated yeah easily. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be, it'd be interesting and something to work towards. Um, it'd be awesome to see more teams in the in the comp for the 15s and stuff like that and I think it all happened in time like I remember when I first started playing rugby you know and I was hearing girls come in and speak about how they had to pay for their own camps and stuff like that um, when they wanted to go away for Aussie Sevens when they wanted to go away for like comps and you know for their own club team and stuff like that whereas now you know it's developed over in time but I feel like it's gonna go further as well go forward more in time um, because now like teams are getting paid for playing, um, play, some players are getting paid, so yeah. it's growing. Um, hopefully we can see more teams and more people get involved, because yes. it would be good and more interesting. Absolutely. The most encouraging thing I suppose I've seen in the last couple of years I've been coaching when I get to the end of my playing days is there's a lot more women's sevens rugby teams and girls sevens rugby teams now, so the only problem with surf that it's not any sort of structured competition, so it's like a tournament by tournament thing. But rugby are doing the right things. They're trying to grow it, yep. and they're building it, and teams are starting to like come to fruition, and they've got a lot of young girls, and it's all inclusive, so yep. everybody gets an opportunity. And it's going to grow and get bigger and bigger over the years, so it's a good uh, institution to have sevens to start that up, to bring it in as a stepping yep. stone, and hopefully from that you can build 15s, and continue to grow rugby union and rugby league as well. Yeah, definitely. So, right, we'll keep looking through this. So, you're trying a national. So, rugby league, rugby union, and another one's athletics, so I imagine. Yeah, so I did rugby sevens, rugby fifteens, and rugby league. Um, and that all happened in the space of two years. Yeah. All that happened in the space of two years. I played, obviously, in Gilroo's in 2015. Um, and then signed my contract in 2015 for Rugby Sevens, but didn't debut until 2017, at uh, 16, sorry. And then the next year after that was World Cup, and that's where I debuted for 15s. Yeah. So it all happened very quickly. It didn't happen, like with me, I didn't expect it to happen so quick. I didn't even expect to play for Shelley so quick, let alone play for three different codes in the yeah. space of two years. So yeah, it was very fortunate. It is a remarkable achievement to do three different sports for the country. So. Oh, for sure. Unless they've got Eden Pies or Donuts or something <laughs> like that, I've got nothing. So. <laughs> I'll join you in that one. I might be a full-time Australian. <laughs> yeah. So have you ever thought about maybe trying to go down the Chloe Dalton Avenue? She's um, also played like in the Women's National Basketball League and AFL. There's a few girls that have tried that and given that a bit of a run. That's something oh, yeah. you'd, you'd be interested in. Yeah, Chloe's... Oh, yeah, I remember when she was at Sevens and... We play a basketball game just for fun. Um, she was always with a basketball, and she's she's uh, she's just a phenomenal athlete herself as well. She can kick, she can obviously run the ball, so she's 
pretty versatile and I don't think I'll be playing basketball for Australia as much as I'd like to think I could. I think I'm, yeah, I definitely feel like I, in my head I want to be, but um, I don't think I'd be able to do that. So after watching you little singing and dancing thing last night, how do you, do you reckon you can make karaoke for Australia? Oh, I think I can go on the voice. I definitely feel like give me the mic and... um. Go Sebastian, have a look. Who's, who's going on? Do you know my mic? <laughs> <laughs> no jokes. So when, when's your record coming out? Stay tuned. <laughs> Alright, um, so going through that, uh, what does it feel like being an Indigenous role model for young women and people, the Aboriginal people in general? Um, it's great. Um, obviously growing up, um, and as I said before earlier, face a fair few, you know, it literally happened on day one of high school. So, after that first day, I was like, I don't want to go back to school. And then, you know, you wake up every morning and go, got to go back to school and face this again, you know? So, and knowing how long you actually spend at school, you know, the amount of years and days and hours that you spend at school, it, it was pretty daunting. Um, I used to hate the feeling of waking up going, I'm going to go to school and face this again. But I would look forward to the classes that didn't have those particular students in there. So, um, to go from being in that kind of situation to now being someone that people look up to, um, it's an undescribable, like, I can't even describe the feeling because it's just so, it gives me chills just thinking about it because, you know, um, for other people that are facing that kind of stuff, it's important for them to have someone to look up to and, and be inspired by and, you know, even me going out into communities and sharing my stories about that. You know, it gives those other ch- the other children and other people that are in that kind of situation hope yeah. to know that they can face, you know, what they face and and still make it somewhere. And, yeah. and it doesn't matter what anyone says about you, about your ability or what you look like. It doesn't define you as a person and what you're, I guess, destined for. So, yeah. at the end of the day, like, the only thing I used to tell myself was, you know, block these people out and just focus on what I'm going to do. Because they're not going to do it for me. You know, they're not going to be people turning up for training and turning up, you know, to like whatever, to do whatever I want to do in life. It's me. So, you know, even these days, like I've got people out that don't really, I guess, invest into me the way they should or, you know, respect me or from who I am or what I do and what I look like or whatever. So, yeah, I don't waste time on people like that. I just kind of focus on myself and do. I think, I think that's a good message to pass across that um, you should invest in positive people and people yeah. who give back to you, work around in them. So there's a lot of people, and see a lot of it on social media, people want to shoot people down, yeah. trolls, and yeah. it's too easy to destroy someone. They don't even put their real names and that stuff. It's pretty poor to yeah. do. It's so easy to be, I guess, it depends on the person. Um, you know, some people ain't as strong as others and one comment can make someone, you know, feel like crap for the rest of their life or, you yeah. know, some people ain't that strong-headed to just be able to block them out. So I think it's important for people to kind of... What's your biggest highlight in your career today? Oh, so I would have to say my Dillaroo's debut. Um, in, ter- like in terms of rugby? Like yeah, rugby, in, in anything, whatever, whatever you've done, like it could be across each one. 
Um, well, in league, it would definitely be the Dillaroo's debut because it was obviously the first time I played for Australia and my family got to witness that because they flew to Queensland and then obviously being player of the match and having a, you know, a debut with a, um, a hat trick. Yeah. Um, and then defeating New Zealand after many, many years was, I don't think you could ask for a better debut. <laughs> you know, so I was like, you know, being able to play for Australia for the first time, um, re representing my people and then having my family there to watch that was just the best feeling. And um, I think in sevens, my favorite moment would have been playing in Sydney sevens. Yeah. And having my family there as well. Yeah. Because it's not often that family get to watch me play for Australia because obviously we play internationally. Yeah. Um, and then 15 would have to be the World Cup when I debuted at World Cup in Ireland in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. So how big was the World Cup when you were over there? How many people, like, compared to, like, the men's, was it the same sort of atmosphere? Um, Did you play at Croke Park, the Irish home of rugby? No, I think we, we played somewhere in Dublin. Yeah. At the, there was, like, a, a um, university kind of... Okay, yeah. Um, ground that we played at and we stayed on campus and we we're actually in camp for a five I think four and a half to five weeks and we spent two weeks in Belfast and two weeks in Dublin and we played in both so yeah it was very good it was, it was strange over there though because like the sun wasn't going down to like 10 o'clock at night <laughs> and it was just you just could not sleep because it was like the sun's still out I feel weird you know like that's the northern hemisphere yeah yeah they're all out of whack yeah so um, Irish are a bit synonymous with uh, a bit of excessive drinking. Was there any of that going on? <laughs> yeah, I learnt what Guinness was over there. So <laughs> I don't, I don't drink, but like when I went over there, everyone had this drink called Guinness, and it smelled like Vegemite. That's all I remember. <laughs> I was like, this smells like Vegemite, but yeah, it was like this massive dark drink, and I was yeah, I think that yeah, that was their main drink over there that we they would drink. Yeah, I'd, I'd describe it as cold coffee with tar in it or something like that. So Coffee? Oh, don't say that. I'm a coffee lover. <laughs> I noticed you've got a water sitting here now. I've got a VB, so <laughs> you're, you're, tune, you're in tune or getting your body back in tune for the season that's coming ahead for yeah. Women's Rugby League and rugby. Yeah, definitely. I think after last year, because um, I had a fair bit of time off um, and was kind of in a bad headspace last year with rugby, um, from February and then I didn't really, I kind of like, not lost my passion for rugby but kind of just went through a phase where I was just over rugby and just didn't want to play anything else and just wanted to kind of do my own thing because I kind of just got my head stuck in a dark place and started to push people away and just didn't want to play rugby anymore. So I think as bad as COVID is, it, at the time that it happened, like it gave me the time, gave me no choice but to focus on myself and you know, fix myself up and get to do what I want to do for me. This year, like, I've been so excited to get back into rugby and, and play. Like, I played 15s last year, but my headspace wasn't there. Like, I wasn't excited to turn up to training all the time and wasn't excited to play all the time like I used to be. And um, this year, now that I've had more time off and time to myself and, you know, reset myself, like, my head, yeah, sitting here with my water and <laughs> planning to train in the Arvo, so getting you know getting excited to get back and play again this year yeah so what the Waratahs got in plan for you when you Woo! get back in the train oh yeah plenty of running plenty of running so we only started a couple of days ago back for pre-season yeah. 
Where's that back down at Daisyville? Yeah. And the train down there? Yeah. There's not too many big hills around there. It's probably no, lucky. yeah, not yet anyways. Yeah. <laughs> we um last time we played uh, we had preseason we actually went to the beaches and did sand like okay. sand training and then like road runs up a hill so I definitely feel like they've got that planned yeah. um, but I think they just want to kind of get us I guess you know our body conditioned to run and move again before yeah. we start doing that stuff because we don't want to break down so quick so yeah. I definitely feel like we'll be doing that <laughs> yeah it's definitely in plans so what's uh, what's in store for Mahalia Murphy in the future um, well this year my focus is World Cup for 15s um, but before that, I want to, you know, get fit during this pre-season and play a strong season for Super W. Yeah. Um, and then post-World Cup, not exactly sure. I feel like, don't know what I'm going to do after World Cup. Um, probably just have a good time um, playing maybe league. Yeah. Um, probably to go ahead and play a bit of league um, since there's no important, important games for rugby after the World Cup. So. Yeah, I might just go and play league a bit more. Yeah. So when I was a young kid, one of my aims I wanted to have of ambition when I was a boy anyway, I wanted to have a footy card, my own footy card. Never never got good enough to get my own footy card. Right. So I found the company that'll make them anyway, so I'm just gonna get it done. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, might as well custom make your own, eh? Well, They're yeah, not gonna make not? it for you, I'm gonna make yeah. it for myself yeah, then. Right. Stuff it. <laughs> and it could be a box out of one, so yeah. So is that um all, all of that promotional stuff is really good for the competition. So, and starting to see it come through, in particular, sports cups, women's cricket with the 2020, and with the women's netball. Do you think stuff like that would be good if they introduced that with women's rugby and the women's national rugby league? Yeah, we um for sevens we actually did footy card photos. Yeah. Yeah, and they were selling them at um, service stations and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, um, I remember a friend sent me a photo of it. Um, yeah, I definitely feel like things like that, it also gets, I guess, people involved as well more because it's yeah. something to, you know, kind of collect and it's just and like good little fun things. Yeah, get exposure. Get to know people with exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, more exposure and more, I guess, awareness of who we are, what we do, and then yeah. once they get to know you. I remember post Rio, um, after the Olympics, how much more awareness had been throughout, you know, Sydney, Australia, of women's rugby sevens because yeah. I remember before Rio and I'd go to a school and people didn't really understand what the sevens was, they didn't know who the girls were yeah. and then once the girls won goal, you know, I'd go to school and stuff and speak about sevens and everyone was asking me, oh I know this girl, I know that girl, yeah. playing Rio and blah 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 and yeah, so I think like things like that makes it exciting and obviously yeah. gives more exposure to the girls. So who's the most influential person you've had on your life? Um, oh, most my mum like I've always been I guess my mum's been the person that's always pushed me through and supported me in anything I wanted to do um, as a kid I guess she knew I had some type of ability to do something with myself and she would always be the one that would take me to my games and to my trainings and, um, and my mum's disabled so she can't even walk um, longer than five metres without her legs hurting so yeah. Um, for her to even make that effort for me and support me in doing that, um, yeah, it'd definitely be my mum. So, um, yeah, I probably, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for her because obviously at the age of 14 I can't drive myself to training and stuff like that. So, I'm surprised if he could handle that. Yeah. So, you said um, 
at the very start, the Caffrey Freeman was one of your role models too, mm-hmm. men, indigenous and everything like that. So did you watch the Sydney Olympics and see all the achievements she did and follow her career very closely? It, yeah, it was very crazy because I was only very young when that actually happened. Um, I just remember watching it at home. So I remember my mum and my dad, they went to the stadium and I was watching it on TV. Yeah. Um, and obviously at that time, I was very young, didn't really, at that time I didn't have athletics set as a sport for me to focus on. But I just remember watching that and being like, whoa, like, you know, that was amazing. Like seeing her win that and run so fast and win a gold medal and, you know, obviously being an Indigenous lady um, was inspiring. And then once I got into the athletic scene, it was like, you know, I remember that race. I want to be like Kathy Freeman. I want to be that girl. And then, yeah, like I said, like once I finished high school, boom, switched over to rugby and that's basically where my career in sport changed and yeah. yeah, I think that just shows as well like you might be focused on one thing at a time but then paths just change change like that in time and opportunities, you know, arise. And yeah, things don't go to planned as you know, as you'd probably think it does, but yeah. Absolutely. So what message would you give to any young people and young girls watching now about following dreams and career and stuff? Um, I think from my own experience, I would say just have fun in what what you want to do um, and just take every opportunity you can with both hands and use it like it's your last um, and enjoy it and enjoy it and enjoy both parts of it as well because it's not easy. Um, you know, getting somewhere where I am today, it didn't come easy and it didn't come on a silver platter. Like I had to work for it, I had to face challenges, I had to be denied. Um, to then, you know, want to do it, make sure I do it. So, yeah, I think just know that it's not going to be easy and just, yeah, it's all about your mindset. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, thanks for your time today, Mahalia. I hope you have a successful year and that, yeah, you get back in the 15 squad and have a good World Cup when that comes up. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks no, for having me. Thanks a lot. <laughs>